Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. Hi, me again. And uh, this is the beginning of another month of 2021. And what I am calling or asking you to focus on and what the uh, guests on the show this month are going to be discussing is healing. How do we heal? Do we heal within how do we heal our mind? How do we heal our body? How do we heal our emotional system? How do we heal our energy system, which we are all experiencing some amazing energy happening right now? I, I just know each of us is, as we open to being light leaders and as we open to the light and love that we are, we are experiencing healing, letting go of what doesn't work for us, right? Thoughts, people ideas, concepts, and then infusing ourselves with an energy that is aligned with the truth of our individual beings. Because I think, I really believe we all have individual truths and we have to heal from the inside out. We have to heal from the inside out before we can really comprehend what our individual truths are. So that's the theme for this month, healing. and. I really invite you to go to susanburrell.com and find out more about what I'm up to and what we do out in the world. Enjoy the show. So before we dive deep into um, the story about my new, my guest um, today, I just wanted to remind everybody to join my Facebook group because in there you'll find, uh, you'll get information on when we're doing our next Are You a Light Leader workshop we have a healing retreat coming up in May, a Live Your Empowered Life healing retreat. It's, I'm not May, April, April 23rd to the 25th. So you'll find all those different things. Uh, plus you'll just be inspired by hanging out with like-minded people and seeing what everybody is uh, posting that's all about upliftment and raising your consciousness and positivity. So join uh, Live Your Empowered Life the Facebook group, and uh, I hope to see you in there. So with that little uh, ta-da, to-do, done, um, I want to welcome uh, a podcaster herself. Her podcast is called Speak Loud, and we're going to find out why. I want to welcome Tiffany Barnes. Tiffany, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Well, I'm excited uh, to share your story with my listeners because um one of the things that I, two of the things actually that I care deeply about are empowering stories, you know, that people have of how they got through episodes in their life. But the other thing is also supporting nonprofits and you have a nonprofit as well. So I get two for one. Yay. <laughs> awesome. So Tiffany, if you wouldn't mind sharing your story a bit for our listeners and then we'll talk about the nonprofit that you're um, leading as well. Sure thing. So let's see where to begin. 
from the age of, well, my first memory until I was 15 years old, well, 13 years old, technically. Um, and I say that I'll, I'll kind of bring back why I said 15, but 13 years old, I had suffered all forms of abuse. So sexual, emotional, uh, mental, you name it. And, and were you, are, are you an only child? I am not. No, I come from a family of four kids. I am the oldest, however. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm the oldest by quite a bit. Um, from my youngest sibling, I am, I believe, 16 years older. Wow. So quite a bit older. And, uh, you know, my mother is a drug addict. She's mm-hmm. been a drug addict my entire life, uh, still a drug addict to this day. You know, it started out small and ended up taking her whole life over, I guess you could say. Um, To this day, I don't know where she is. I know she's somewhere on the East Coast. Uh, Was eventually declared an unfit mother with the state of Utah and had all of the children taken away. This was after I had become emancipated, which I don't want to fast forward too much. But that's why I mentioned 15 years old. I became a legally emancipated minor at the age of 15 years old. I was the second case in the state of Utah at the time to be a legally emancipated minor at that age. I'm sure wow. the numbers have since changed, but kind of a long story short, um, my biological father was very physically abusive towards me until my parents divorced when I was seven. And uh, it was kind of a situation where he had put my mother on this pedestal, if you will, Um he always thought that she was out of his league and she unfortunately was very promiscuous and not very faithful to him. And that's what led to the demise of their, their marriage. But anytime my mother would do something that would upset my father or he would catch her in bed with these various men or whatever the case may be, he was so afraid of losing her because that's what she would always threaten. You know, I'll leave. Um, And that would shatter his whole world that instead of taking out his anger on her, I was the punching bag, if you will. So for an example, I remember just distinctly, you know, very clearly, there was a day I was coloring in some coloring books in the living room on the floor. And my mother and my father were in the other room arguing about something. And my father had stormed out of the room and picked me up off of the floor, threw me across the room, and I had hit this hundred-year-old wooden door. Oh my god! And it, it shattered my wrist um, to the point that I had a cast on for almost a half a year. You, generally, you don't wear a cast that long. It's usually like six weeks or something and uh, had broken my collarbone. And, you know, these were things that took place regularly, specifically when my, my mother would upset my father. And so I am happy to report now in today's world at 38 years old, um, my dad is not physically abusive. He stopped the physical abuse once they divorced. However, he is still very mentally abusive to me, and I allow him to be in some capacity, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But um, fast forward, my mother had left my my father for my stepfather, who is the, the father of my youngest brother and sister. So I just have one biological brother and then a half brother and sister. And he was a very intimidating man. He was a uh, ex-military police officer, six oh. foot three, you know, intimidating in look, in stature, in behavior to the point where my mother and him would often argue and I'd see her get hauled away in an ambulance. And he started to sexually abuse me 
Um, this took place for a couple of years, so about 11 years old to 13 years old. And he would constantly tell me and remind me, he said, if you say anything to anybody, I'll kill you. And to see the behavior he displayed to an adult, my mother, as a young girl, I thought, okay, for sure, he'll kill me, you know, and right. I took that as, as you know, those words were going to really happen. And so I kept my mouth shut for those two years. And like I say, my mother's never really taken any stock in my life, never really cared what my grades were, how I was doing. I really felt growing up that I was a paycheck to her in the regard of child support. And, you know, unfortunately, that mother, that money was not used towards me very often. And so um, there was one morning when I was 13 years old, <clears throat> excuse me, I was getting ready downstairs, which was where my room was. And she had come downstairs and asked me why it had taken my stepfather so long to quote unquote, wake me up. And that was one of his things. He'd come down in the morning and, you know, uh, this is when a lot of the sexual abuse would happen. And I, I heard him in the back of my mind say, if you say anything, I'll kill you. If you say anything, I'll kill you. And then I've got mom over here saying, well, what's going on between the two of you? It shouldn't have taken him that long to wake you up. And I thought, okay, well, <clears throat> again, excuse me, mom's never cared about what's going on in my life. So maybe if I do tell her this one time, she'll protect me. And then again, I had that voice. He, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. And I thought, you know what? She's being so pushy about it that I just really felt it was safe to tell her and that she would protect me. So I let it all out. I told her the details, what, what, what had been happening. And she calls him home from work. And we have this meeting around the kitchen table. And I'm, I'm recounting these details. And, you know, he would buy me things to try to keep me quiet. Or, you know, I, for an example, I was wearing a locket that day that he had purchased for me as like a hush-hush gift. And <clears throat> my mother, you know, she's like, so did you do this? And, and he's like, no, I didn't. She's lying. You know, your daughter's lying. She's a liar. And I remember distinctly ripping this necklace off of my, my neck and throwing at him, throwing it at him. And I said, you're lying and you know it and tell her the truth. And I'm just sobbing. And my mother looks at him and he looks at her and he says, Karen, your daughter's a liar and you need to make a decision. It's your daughter or me. Oh and she, she did not even hesitate three seconds, turned to me and said, you have till tomorrow to get the bleep out of my house. Oh my so goodness. I'm here 13 years old, telling a trusted adult about this abuse. And I'm now being kicked out of my home at 13 years old for, for doing what was the right thing. And, um, my mother had a yard sale, sold all my stuff right in front of me. Oh my um, goodness, honey. So I'm watching people carrying my things out of the yard and paying, you know, a dollar or a nickel or a dime or whatever she was charging per item, you know, and, and it was just so degrading to me, you know, such a slap in the face, like, I'm worth more to you as a yard sale item that you're going to sell than as your own flesh and blood daughter. And I'm your firstborn child. And so, <clears throat> you know, as you can imagine, I was just, there were so many emotions going on. Number one, I'm a teenager. I'm growing into my body. I'm trying to figure out all that. And then also what had just happened and my mother not choosing me over an abuser and, you know, just all these whirlwind of emotions. 
And so what I did is I took one of those like black garbage bags that you usually put leaves in, you know, in the fall time, you probably don't have to deal with that where you are, but we do here in Utah. And, um, cause we have the four seasons, but <clears throat> I grabbed that garbage bag and I grabbed some clothes and put it inside. And I had this little Tootsie Roll bank. I don't know if you remember those. They were oh, very, yeah. very big and they had the little slit on the top. And I had, I don't know, two or three bucks in there. And so I take my garbage bag. I take my Tootsie Roll bank of change. I walk past my mother in her yard cell and I walk to the local bus stop, not knowing where I was going to go, who I was going to stay with, where I was going to sleep. And the reason for that is unfortunately, a lot of my family members are abusers themselves or have been incarcerated for abuse or, or on drugs. You know, the, there's dysfunction in every family, of course, but I didn't feel I had somewhere to go. So I jump on this bus with the change that I have in my Tootsie Roll bank, and I take it into downtown Salt Lake City. Well, when this took place, it was starting to be fall time. It was colder outside. The sun set sooner, and I'm, I'm I get at the end of the route and I take what's called a transfer slip just in case I needed to transfer to another bus line. And I'm staring at these buildings in downtown Salt Lake City thinking, which one can I sneak into and sleep in tonight? Or, you know, maybe I could get somebody to take pity on me and I could stay with them or, you know, I just didn't know what to do. And then this, this idea pops in my brain. Well, why don't I try to go stay with dad, my biological father? Well, the issue was, Obviously, when I had left dad's house before, he was physically abusive towards me um, and, you know, before the, the uh, divorce. And he was about 40 minutes north of where I was. So I take this transfer slip and I take this bus line that goes from Salt Lake to Ogden. Well, he lived in a city called Layton, Utah, which was in between Salt Lake and Ogden. And by car, it was about 40 minutes. By bus, it was almost two hours with all the stops, you know. Right. So I'm sitting in the back of this bus and I've got my garbage bag next to me, looking out the window, sobbing, thinking, am I even doing the right thing right now? And the reason I thought that is, again, my memories of my biological father were physical abuse. I was so worried I was trading one evil, if you will, for another evil. So one form of abuse for another. But again, I didn't have a lot of of hope or places to go. So I took my chances and showed up on my dad's doorstep. I show up, he takes me in. Luckily, he was not physically abusive to me anymore at that point because mom was out of the picture. But I became a latchkey kid. So a latchkey kid, for those of you who don't know, is a kid that will sometimes wake up, parents will be gone to their jobs, come home from school, parents will still be gone. So you're known as a latchkey because you usually wear like a key around your neck to let yourself in and out of the house. You don't have parents around at all times, you know, that kind of a thing. So that was probably the worst thing that could have happened to me at that point in time, because not only had all these very traumatic events taken place, but mentally I hit rock bottom. I became anorexic. I became suicidal. I thought I was the most disgusting person on the planet. When I looked in the mirror, I wanted to throw up. I thought, if the woman who gave me life, my own mother, doesn't want me, why be here? And so I made several attempts to end my life. And then there was a morning I woke up 
And I said to myself, you know, dad was already gone. He rode the bus. He uh, did a hit and run and lost his driver's license. So he couldn't drive anywhere. He had to take the bus everywhere. And I woke up and I said to myself in that morning, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to end my life. I'm done. There's no reason to be here anymore. And then it was kind of a devil angel situation where I had this other voice in my head that said, but if you do that, you're letting this all defeat you. And mom is winning. And it's not about winning or losing, but you're better than this. You're meant for more than this. It was kind of like my subconscious talking to me, if you will. Or your my, higher self, I would yes, say. Yes, my, my Jiminy Cricket, I used to call it. But yeah, my higher self. And I picked up the phone. I reached out to my best friend that I had to leave back where mom lived. Her name was Amy. And I said, Amy, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm thinking. This is, you know, just kind of laid it all out. And she said, okay, you have to make me a promise. She said, I'm going to talk to my parents and see if maybe you can come stay with us for a little while or see what we can do to help you. Just promise me you'll be there when I call you back. And I said, okay, I will. And for me, I've always grown up very independent. I don't know if that's the Leo in me or just kind of bouncing around a lot. I went to 26 different elementary schools as a kid because mom was constantly going from one man to another and then going back. And so I had uh, abandonment issues and attachment issues and things of that nature. And so um, I said, okay, I'll be here. And reaching out to her was a big feat for me. You know, I bet because, it was, you know, it was kind of, I felt weak having to ask for help, but it was what I needed. And her family said, yeah, come stay with us for a little while. And I worked for their family business. They had a yard art business um, where they do like these art things for gardens and such and um, stayed with them while I was in the emancipation process to become a legally emancipated minor. Um, had to go through a ton of counseling to get myself right here, yes. here in yeah. my head and in my heart, your head and your heart. Those are the most important places. And to realize I wasn't disgusting and I was worthy. And just because mom made these poor decisions doesn't mean it has to define my life. And at 15 years old, when I became emancipated, I made myself a promise that I have never broken to this day. And that promise is I will live the rest of my life to be everything my parents are not. My parents were high school dropouts. I graduated top of my class, straight A's, a full ride scholarship to university. My parents never paid their bills. I became a millionaire in my late 20s. My parents were addicted to drugs. Well, not my dad, but my mother. I've never been addicted to drugs. I've never smoked because they smoked, you know, never drank coffee because they drink, you know, just all those things. I'm like, I'm going to be the opposite to the point. So my parents were high school dropouts. They got pregnant with me at 15 and 16. I would go attend my own parent teacher conferences. And I was living on my own all through high school, paying rent, three jobs, um, you know, I didn't have somebody saying, hey, kid, get out of bed, go to school. Hey, make good grades. Hey, don't, you know, don't do drugs. Don't become a teenager pregnant. And I actually went to a school that had a lot of gang violence, teenage pregnancies, a lot of drugs. So I had every opportunity to fall into that category, but it was because of that promise I made to myself that I never did. 
And uh, because of it, I was known in high school as the girl with the special circumstance. I could check myself in and out of school. I literally would write my own tardy notes or excuse notes. And I remember distinctly, there was one, I was in third period Spanish, Miss Linares. And I was running in the door. She'd already started class and I was writing this note. Please excuse Tiffany Barnes for being late. Thank you, Tiffany Barnes. And they had to accept it because I was my own guardian. And I remember that there was this kid on the front row and he chimed in and he's like, well, that's not fair. I don't write my own notes. My parents have to write mine and all this. And kids would come up to me and say, well, why do you live on your own? Or that's so cool. Let's have a party at your house, you know, no supervision. And, and what they didn't get is I was too busy being an adult while they had somebody making their meals and making their beds and paying bills. And, you know, I would live on kidney beans and crackers for a week sometimes or not be able to eat. And so when kids were coming to me and asking me why I was in the situation I was in, I said, well, I was abused and I was emancipated and I would kind of share that with people. And it was so interesting, the peers that started to come out of the woodwork and say, I've never said anything to anybody, but I'm being abused or I know someone being abused. And it was like this, I call it my Tiffany epiphany. My little, my little light bulb that went off and said, this is the reason you didn't take your life. You are meant to be a catalyst for others to realize abuse doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to be your crutch. It can be a stepping stone to the future. And I started a support group called Share. This was back in 1998. I was a sophomore in high school. And SHARE at the time stood for Students Helping the Abused React and Empower. Oh, lovely. And that's all we did is we got together. We did homework together. We were a shoulder to cry on. We taught each other to be resilient because we were being resilient. And then therefore empowering each other so that we were reversing that cycle, not becoming a statistic for the worse. Well, little did I know that would gain so much momentum that here we are in 2021, and it is now a 501c3 nonprofit. It became nonprofit status in 2008. Now, because of SHARE, I had the honor of running the torch in the 2002 Winter Olympics. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's actually sitting right here next to me. Um, I can turn the camera. Well, maybe. Um, So, the, the 2002 Winter Olympics was light the flame within. That was the theme. And somebody had nominated me telling them the Olympic committee, I guess they had some sort of a contest or something saying how I had inspired them to light their flame within. And uh, because of that, they paid for my torch. I was able to run and I ran on February 8th of 2002 coolest moment of my life. I took the flame from Steve Young, Hall of Fame football player. Oh my goodness. I got chills. I got chills. (laughs) And that's when uh, it's very metaphoric for my life because you and I have talked about this before. I feel that I am a light worker and I help others now find their light and light that flame within. And it's a spirit that follows that flame, that Olympic flame that is still inside my soul today to help me find light in others or in dark places. And so that kind of takes me where I am today, still doing my 501c3 and uh, working on my book called The Throwaway Girl, which you can imagine why I chose that title. Oh man, Tiffany, I just, again, I got my whole body is like (laughs) 
tingling and uh, your story is so amazing. And I, I, I would pray that it was, I, I don't mean to throw you away, honestly, <laughs> but I, I, you know, my prayer would be that it's just a one person thing, yeah. you know, but it's not. Right. And that's the thing that frightens. I, I, that, that's what frightens me, mm-hmm. you know, that so many people and that they're finding you, um, your, your website, uh, for share is got pictures of very young kids yes. as part of the, your branding or, you know, and when I went there, I thought, you know, I'll see Tiffany and you're on there, but you know, young adults, I was thinking young adults. And then to see the small children, how, now, how are, how are they finding you? How, how, how do they come to share the movement and, and get help and support? Well, I work uh, very closely with different crisis centers as well as um, foster care, which is actually the reason that I became emancipated is I didn't want to fall into foster care. Um, I bounced around enough as a kid. I didn't want to do it more in foster care, if you will. And so um, that's actually where my younger sibling, Tristina and Trevor, my younger brother and sister ended up and I took custody of them and raised them as my own. And um, what was that I, for you doing that? It was, I was in my twenties. Um, my, my sister now has two kids of her own and she's named her daughter after me. It's like such an honor. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. But um, yeah, it was tough, but I didn't want them to go through what I went through. I didn't want them to feel alone and that nobody loved them or that they were thrown away. And um, in particular, they were living with a Mormon family and I'm not here to talk any religion, but it just was not a good fit for them and it was being pushed on them. And so it was just a better fit for them to be with me and to be more themselves and not have to live a particular way or style of life, Um, you know, just to be more in their own power. But um, in answer to your question, I went off on a tangent. Um, So working a lot with um, crisis centers as well as foster care system and also the school district, just reaching out, letting them know what what I'm doing. So for an example, May of every year, we do what's called a youth empowerment day. And this youth empowerment day is geared towards kids of any age. So you probably saw pictures on the website, sharethemovement.org. Um, of kids running through these bubbles, or, you know, we have a a mascot that's a Dalmatian, um, and they just get so excited about this, because, again, from my earliest memory, I I, I still see that abuse, and it still can affect a person, so it's just a a day for kids to come together and be able to, I don't want to say forget, But in a sense, forget just a day where they can come together and feel empowered of, hey, this kid next to me might also be going through abuse and we can still overcome it and have fun and be empowered and express ourselves through art or musical instruments or, um, you know, hide hide and go seek or, you know, anything just to be a kid. You know, I, I didn't really get to be a kid growing up. I was too busy being fast forwarded into an adult. Yes. And I didn't get that, you know, the play that a lot of kids got or, you know, just to be free and not have a care in the world. And so I really wanted that day to be available for other kids out there. Like I'll work with the boys and girls clubs as well, um, where they'll come out or they have kids that they know are very at risk um, in their home environments. 
and just invite them for a day to just, again, be kids and feel empowered. So Tiffany, then how, how do you just, what does empowerment mean to a young kid, to like an eight-year-old? How, how do you describe that? Or, or are they telling you they want to be empowered? How, how does that work? No, I mean, I don't even think they know that word at that point, maybe. <laughs> but um, for them, it's just more, man, that's a great question. It's more so just to be able to express who mm-hmm. they are in an authentic way. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're being abused as a child, you're told to sit there and shut up or you don't have a voice or, um, you know, you're a number or whatever the case may be. And so when I say empowered to an eight year old, it's more so I just want you to be authentically you. I just want you to be you for the day. Don't worry about any adults. Don't worry about what people tell you you can or cannot do or be. Just be you, be in the moment. What makes you happy right now? You know, do you want to go play in the bubbles? Do you want to go be in the sumo suits? Do you want to go get some food from the food truck? You know, do you want to learn how to play musical instrument? Maybe you want to draw, like for an example, at our last one, we had an art contest for kids of all ages, eight years old, five years old, 18 years old, to draw what empowerment meant to them. And if I say that to a five-year-old, they don't know what empowerment means to them. I got pictures of dogs. I got pictures of houses. I got pictures of rainbows, flowers, you know, and and it was just kind of like, just be you. Whatever comes out, let it flow, you know, and just not being told who you have to be for one day. Mm -hmm. And that sounds very empowering to me. If they can experience it for one day, then it seems like it might be something that they would want to experience for another day and then another day and add those days together. Exactly. Yes. So, so then did, so in encouraging these, these abused, horribly abused kids um, to be you, to just be you, is that part, is part of that also learning how to speak up for yourself. Absolutely. Yes. And maybe not so in the, the, the one day, the youth empowerment day, but we'll have different speakers. For an example, I'll come and I'll bring my torch and just give a little motivational talk. Like, Hey, this is where I come from. And they look at me sometimes as a superhero. Cause I have this torch, you know, like it's a mega sword or something. And it's like, Hey, you guys can do this too. You know? And it's just about, I think, you know, For an example, the Me Too movement, a lot of people were coming out of the woodwork who've never said anything about being abused because somebody else was able to stand in their truth and speak loud about what happened. And they felt, okay, if they said it, I feel more confident in saying so, too. And so that's what the Speak Loud movement is about, is speaking loud about what happened, even if your voice shakes, even if you're scared, even if you're terrified and you're like, I've never said this before but get it out because I'm a firm believer in that energy being in your body is not good. That's dis-ease, right? We hear disease, dis-ease. It's in your body. It can create physical ailments. And so it's about getting it out, journaling, speaking it, um, talking it out with somebody in a counseling session if you need, but just don't let it sit inside. Yeah. And I would imagine like, in, like your story illustrated, um, when you're in a cycle of abuse, you feel very alone. 
Yeah. And, and because the fear factor also, it sounds like, um, kind of creates a, a cage around you that you can't escape because of the threats and the beating and, and all of that. So to find, a, to even just say this is happening has got to be the most, more life-threatening than staying in the abuse at times, I would think. Oh, Which yes. Why it takes it so long for so many people to speak up and say this happened to me. Well, if you think about it, you could physically see with your own eyes abuse taking place. Report it. DCFS gets involved, you know, the whole nine yards until that child physically says this is happening to me. Not a lot can be a whole lot can be done. So standing and speaking out is very important. I remember when I was going through the emancipation process, but before that, you know, finally saying something to my mother. Um, and then having a social worker work with me, being in a room with cameras in front of two social workers and then asking me questions. That's terrifying to have to say like, okay, this is on camera and I don't know who these people are. And I'm telling them something very intimate that happened to me. And um, I'm supposed that, to trust them because they're adults. And- yeah. It's scary. The whole thing is scary. It really is. And so one thing I think as part of my message and why I say I'm a catalyst for others is because I, I can tell this story. You can see, I've, I've told this story thousands and thousands and thousands of times. I don't tear up. I don't get overcome with emotion. I can say it in my sleep because I've told it so many times because the more I tell it, the more it helps me heal, the more it fills my cup. Because I know if just one person, one set of ears hears it, that says, okay, now I feel maybe I could say something or I find inspiration in that or I find empowerment in that. My whole life is worth it. If I die tomorrow, my whole life would be worth it, you know? And that's what it's about when it's empowering others and sharing your story. And it's scary at first. It really is. I've had people on the podcast that, you know, I send out a survey or not a survey, but a questionnaire that says, okay, one of the main questions is, are you ready to stand in your truth and speak loud like a badass? And, and I've changed it so that that's on there. Cause I didn't used to have it on there. Cause I've had people come on the show, share their story. And then they're like, oh, okay, but don't tag me on social media or don't like, cause they don't want some of their family to know that they're actually speaking out about this. So you're not really moving forward in a speak loud manner. Yes. You're speaking about it, but you're not really fully standing in it. And I don't right. mean to sound rude or I don't know what word I'm looking for, but you know, I say, if you're going to talk about it, talk about it and stand in it. Don't worry about whose feeling it's, it's going to hurt. You know, this stuff happened, speak loud about it. And there's something that occurs, uh, as you're saying that Tiffany, I've been working with boundaries, you know, because of having gone through my own smaller, much smaller, almost nothing (laughs) thing, uh, of mental and emotional abuse. And, uh, there's almost something about, it's like, I, I allowed, now this was as an adult, not a child, right? I allowed things to happen thinking that that was a way to, that they were showing me love thinking that, oh, well, they really loved me thinking that, well, if I do more than, you know, if I become even a better good girl, you know, if I do more then they'll love me. And, you know, it's just crazy 
crazy mental shit. And what I realized getting away from that is I had no boundaries. Mm. I had no boundaries. And a child can't develop boundaries because they're still developing their personality. And with that, that level of abuse that you experienced at such a young age, it, it must've been very hard for you to suddenly wake up one day and say, that's the line. You can't cross it anymore. These are my boundaries. Right. That's a very good point. Cause if you remember in the beginning, when you started asking me questions, I said, my father's not physically abusive towards me anymore, but still mentally, but I allow it. So at 38 years old, I've still got daddy issues to the point that I'm waiting for my father to tell me he's proud of me. And for some reason, that's so important to me. He didn't tell it to me when I ran the torch. He didn't tell it to me when I started my first business. He didn't tell it to me when I became a millionaire, bought my first house or any of those things. And so it's like I'm constantly one upping myself, waiting for this man to tell me he's proud of me. And it's ridiculous when I talk about it. I know it's ridiculous. But I'm in front. If my dad were in this room right now in front of me, I still have that issue. So it's a work in progress. It's not rainbows and roses. It's not like a a switch flips. Right. And all of a sudden, oh, I'm over it. Here's my boundary. Here's my wall. Because I want to be very candid and very transparent. It's I still deal with this very much so. And and I do, too, as as do I. And, and, you know, and and sometimes the the past memory, I guess, comes up out of nowhere and trips you when when you least expect it sometimes, you know, and that's the stuff because it sounds like you've gone through a lot of very deep inner healing. Right. Yeah. So for this to be the thing that you're waiting for, I, I personally don't think that there's any uh, shame in that. We all want our parental approval, right? And um, so if you will allow me. Yes. Tiffany Barnes, I want you to, I want you to know, I am very, very proud of you for all that you've overcome for you stepping forward in your life and continuing to move forward and doing it from a place of self-love and respect now and not self-abuse as much as humanly possible. I think that's amazing. And so I'm just telling you that as a parent myself, you're not my kid, but as a parent, I want you to know it's your life is an example of how spectacular people can be not just surviving, but thriving and leading. And you mentioned light leader because that's, that's my dealy do right. Activating light leaders. And the only way you're, you are a huge example of how a light leader, when you didn't even know it gets through the shit. Yes. Comes through it more, uh, empowered and, and, and enlivened and, and following your purpose that I hate to say this. Cause I, I don't mean that. Uh, I don't mean this. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say it, that you came in with, you were born with this perfect purpose. This, this is what you were born to do. And unfortunately, and who knows why these things get set up. You had to go through all that crap. Right to get to the place of carrying that torch. And I don't mean the Olympic torch. I mean the light and igniting the light within others. 
And, and we all can do that. You, you are, you are really a gift, Tiffany. You really are. Thank you so much. And that I'm means more that, to me than you know. Okay. Well, I'm not saying that to make you cry or anything, I but, know. Yeah. but um, so I want to circle back to this idea of speaking loud because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, because like we said, because of the fear, they, they hold back. They, and it does it, that, that energy downloads in your body, um, mental and physical abuse download in your body. And, and it does become disease, you know, or cancer or diabetes or, uh, you know, anorexia in your case, that was, that's part of the result of not speaking loud. And Brene Brown, who's an author and researcher, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar. Love her. Yes. <laughs> she talks about speaking out speaking shame out loud because it takes the power away from shame. It may not erase it or eradicate it, but it makes the shame that we carry less by yeah. saying this happened to me and this is what I did or didn't do about it. It just uh, keeps that shame from amplifying and multiplying when we right. speak out loud our words and what the experience was. Yes, I believe in that 110%. And that's that's where I came up with the whole premise, like I say, of the show and why I chose that title for it. You know, and I even have it speak and then loud as in bold because, you know, capital letters, because that's what it's about is, Again, and I say, even if your voice shakes, even if you're scared to speak it out, speak it out because you're letting, you're releasing that energy, as you've said, and it's, it's so healing. It's so important, you know, and, and, um, it's the first step and it's the start that stops you. Right. So it's that first step in anything. Right. To achieve anything, to get past anything, it takes one step. Yes. Yes. So, uh, Tiffany Barnes, uh, tell everybody the, um, website for share. Okay. So share, which by the way, now stands for sharing hope for the abused through resilience and empowerment. So close to what it started with. Uh, but the website is sharethemovement.org. Um, did you want me to just give that one or if, and also if you want to tune into my podcast as well, it's speakloudpodcast.com. And, and is that on at all modalities? They can find it anywhere. Yes. Uh-huh. So I want to encourage everybody, anybody that's listening. And, and, and if you guys have been listening for a while, you know, this is what I do. Um, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm changing that. Once you've listened <laughs> to this podcast, I am going to encourage you right now to go to Tiffany's sharethemovement.org and make a donation, make a donation. Because if her story moved you, put your money where your, where your heart is in, in a way, because uh, people that have kids, children, that's who she's serving, uh, need the help. And that's one way you can make a difference in someone's life. And you don't even know, have to know who they were or what their story was, just make a difference. So Tiffany, again, thank you for, uh, for all that you do and thank you for continuing on. And, um, and we're going to be talking again later in the year when your book comes out. Yes. 
I would love that. And I just want to say thank you for what you're doing and what you're doing to spread light in this world. And uh, keep on shining, Mama. You are such a light. And uh, I'm so glad that our paths have crossed. Me too. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.